This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters, and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that are still happening today. Sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. A lot of y'all still don't get it. Ape holders can use multiple slurp juices on a single ape. So if you have one astro ape. Fuck. <laughs> it's just the sound of Zach cackling yeah. in my earphones. Keep digging. So if you have one astro ape and three slurp juices, you can create three new ape. Tonight's episode of Ozpol's Snack Pot is essentially a minting event for both lab monkeys and special forces. Oh no, no, this is all wrong. <laughs> this is Ozpol's Snack Pot, the weekly podcast about Australian news, crypto politics, and memes. And crypto and NFTs. And NFTs. Non-fungible monkeys. Brought to you by two of Australia's foremost political nobodies, myself, Zach Lesnack, and my friend, confidant, member of my inner sanctum, and owner of one of the world's fattest crypto wallets. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just amazing the slurp technology that's being developed <laughs> is is going to blow up the whole scene. Uh, AKA Noon. Oh, it's, it, it's me, Noon. Sorry, yeah, thanks. I forgot I had to introduce myself. I'm just so I mean, excited about this new investment opportunity. Like, I will say it's kind of surprising, you know, from one, as- from one perspective, it's not at all surprising that you're not into crypto. But on the other yes. hand, you are an online poker guy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so it's, you know, there but uh, for the grace of God. If I was better at poker or more organized with paperwork, I probably <laughs> would be into crypto. Um, there you have it. Yeah. Welcome to our Australian politics podcast where you can trust our opinions because <laughs> they are good. Uh, some people who trust our opinions, apparently, yep. are our new patrons. Thank you so much to Natty, Tom, ooh, 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 and Graham ooh, ooh, for signing ooh, up ooh. to the Patreon and a huge shout out to friend of the show, Paul, shout for outs. upping his patronage to ACAB dollars, $13, 12 cents a month. Uh, All we, contributors are appreciated. That's exactly. That's thank you very much, Noon. Um, yeah, we, we've got a Patreon. If you like what we do, you can go and uh, chuck us a, uh, as little as a buck a month for a monthly bonus episode, plus other cool stuff. Uh, the most recent bonus episode was about Australian conspiracy theories. Uh, I've already seen someone cite one of them, and please don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, they they're all bullshit, even the ones that are real. So yes, yeah. Uh, before we dive into uh, Ozpol News Noon, we have some podcasting news. Some Ozpol News news. Yeah. yeah. Our our colleagues slash sibling podcast, Not Good Enough, um, have wrapped up after 100 and something, 116 episodes. Uh, and, Huge effort. You know, okay. Yeah. It was a real good show that ran for a long time, had a lot of listeners who, you know, really appreciated it, and I think we had a lot of, you know, similar perspectives, so, you know, just a big F in the chat for Not Good Enough, shout outs to Tom, Tom, Evie, Tom, Mitch, Isaac, and Tom for all of your, you know, good, good shows. And if any of you are listening, like genuinely, you know, Noon and I both listened to the episode, and all of your reasons why you were like, you know what, we might pack this in now, we're both like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Correct. So, I, more than anyone else, I feel I feel like we do understand where you're coming from, but we love you heaps and thanks for all your work. And you know, we've got up to five guest spots coming up on the show if I've done my maths correctly. So, <laughs> yeah. Now it's time for some news. Yeah, let's go. Can I offer you one of these, sir? No, no. Take it away at once. This is just a little corruption corner, which we should really get a money crime segment, Zach. But <laughs> yes, um, yes, because it comes oh. up all the time. People are always doing money crimes, um, and this one is about a company called Aspen Medical. Uh, Greg Hunt, who was then the uh, health minister, uh, wrote a letter for them saying, you know, they're amazing and great and really good at everything. And this letter was written during negotiations between the health department and Aspen for. Um, supplying like uh, you know, coronavirus-related PPE Equipment. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hunt claims it was to help them apply for tenders in the USA, but um, 
to quote the ABC, former health department secretary Stephen Duckett said he'd never seen a letter like it. Here we have a minister in charge, or who's a minister assisting in the area of the public service, writing a letter which is highly dubious, undated, fulsome to whom it may concern, Mr. Duckett said. Um, it's just a general letter of endorsement. Yeah, for whatever for a, they need for a it company, for. company. Yeah. Which is quite a move. For a yeah, politician. and um, Aspen, they did get a bunch of contracts without tender for coronavirus PPE. All of the contracts were being done without tender at the time because it was an emergency. And so, like, sure. But they got something like half a million dollars more than the next highest contract, um, despite never having done anything like it Mm. in the past. I can only assume the results were good. (laughs) (laughs) Looks around, well, there's no pandemic here, is there? So (laughs) it must have worked. Um, Aspen has close ties to the Liberal Party, including employing a former Liberal MP who was a health minister. Mm-hmm. Um, as a lobbyist, mm-hmm. and they've donated about a hundred grand to them, and about half as much as that to the Labour Party over the last twelve years. Which, like in the grand scheme of things, isn't a huge amount of money, but like political it's donations be bad. donating. According, yeah, <laughs> according to the Australian National Audit Office, uh, even though it's dodgy, not a direct quote, the contracts with Aspen were quote largely consistent with the proper use and management of public resources. Um, which, okay, In other is words, that it's, true? It's, yeah, though? it's fine to give huge contracts to your mates. Yeah. Is, Why would that not be okay? Um, also not a direct quote, but... Yeah. Um, it's the vibe. Not quite so Ozpol, but still highly relevant. Uh, it's been revealed slash alleged by Four Corners this week that Aspen was also involved in a multi-million dollar international money laundering scheme based in Sri Lanka in 2012. Um, but I imagine that was largely consistent with the proper use and management of public resources as well. So it's probably nothing to worry about. Of course it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we know these guys are upstanding. Greg Hunt said so. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they have an open spot on their board. Huh. I have to look into that. All right, that's it for aperitifs. What have we got next, Zach? Elections generally not that fun. There's too much politics going on at the moment. Don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. Go! That's right. Every time. <laughs> Welcome to Australia Ghosts. I mean, votes. This is the nice. spooky segment. Nice. <laughs> where we talk about uh, ghost candidates. Specifically, Pauline Hanson's spooky ghost candidates. She is a level three Masonic <laughs> wizard, so that checks out. <laughs> Only level three? Jesus Christ. Yeah, well. Get your shit together, Pauline. <laughs> About three weeks ago, Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party put out a press release. Australians everywhere will have the opportunity to support Pauline Hanson's One Nation at the 2022 oh, federal good. election, with the party fielding candidates in all 151 electorates. Here's... A quote from an unrelated ABC article. Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party is running a network of ghost candidates in the federal election, many of whom have not been seen nor heard of in the seats they are supposed to be contesting. Huh. Yes. I mean, the thing about ghosts is that they are seen and heard of. <laughs> yeah, but These are like, like the opposite of ghosts. No, but so there's one person in the electorate who's heard of the candidate going around shaking other people <laughs> like, by the collar. No, they really exist. Norelle is real! I've seen her! Um, yeah. So okay, it's, like... it's fine. <laughs> I take it back. Don't worry, it hold, totally holds up. Um, yeah, so they've, like, registered candidates in electorates who they've just never been to and yep. live thousands of kilometres away from. Good. And there are some candidates who are, like, so ghostly that the ABC couldn't track them down. Uh, here's another quote from that ABC article. Despite attempts to track down the One Nation candidate for Hughes, Narelle Seymour... The ABC was not able to confirm her identity with One Nation, and until Wednesday, there was no mention of the seat or the candidate on the party's website. Two New South Wales residents on the electoral roll contacted by the ABC also denied being the elusive One Nation candidate, oh, which okay. I definitely would as well, so they called me up. It's like, well, you especially running one if your job has been to not show up in the seat. <laughs> Very good point. On Wednesday, an ABC reporter who made inquiries at a residence in the Wagga Wagga suburb listed on the AEC nomination form was told by a man answering the front door that Mrs. that Miss Seymour was unwell. When asked if Miss Seymour was a One Nation candidate, the man told the reporter that he knew nothing about her being a political political candidate. I, um, I see. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> so, and the plot thick, thickens further. 
Yeah, go on. <laughs> the picture on the One Nation How to Vote card for Hughes, which is has Narelle Seymour name on it, has a picture of some other random One Nation candidate on it. And that yeah. is happening just all over their website. It's like... They posted this amazing image of their <laughs> website with like multiple images of Pauline standing next to the same couple of actors slash candidates, depending on how you look at it. How with deep Just it is. like yeah. different names on each photo. But like, honestly, there's like a guy on there whose photo they've reused for like 20 candidates. So it's funny. incredible. And occasionally, for some reason, they flip the photo of Pauline that they're using in these, because it's the same photo of Pauline photoshopped against these candidates. And they use the same photo, but just flip for some of them for some reason. Listeners. really seems like I have maybe like 10 real candidates and they're just like cycling through the photos for all their other ghost candidates. Yeah, there's a lot it, to love here. It sounds like a lot of you still aren't getting it. You can use multiple <laughs> slurp candidates on a single Pauline. So if you have one Pauline and three candidates, you can create eight new candidates. <laughs> Do you... Th and I realize you, you don't have any like deep personal insight, but vibe check level mm. do you think they're committing electoral fraud or do they actually know someone of the name norel seymour who's been like oh yeah i'll be a candidate i think that that's what's happened you know it's 151 electorates and they say they're fielding 151 candidates but a bunch of electorates don't show up when you search their like candidate list on their website for yeah, example right. wills yeah. in melbourne right. there's no candidate listed yeah like it's not in the list of selectable electorates on their website so like clearly they just didn't make it to 151 and also like the party is a mess it's quite it's small a complete shit show. this yeah. is an enormous everything job. goes through pauline as well so yeah like yeah and it's like everything about it is cooked at every level my like you know the real through through the looking glass theory is that they like some of these many of these candidates like this norel seymour person are somebody who just like agreed to do it over the phone and sent in like an application order, yeah. to the AEC or whatever, but basically the party has done nothing otherwise to actually get in touch with them. So they literally don't have a photo of her. So yeah. they're just like, are using some other photo. Totally, totally. And basically yeah. being like, people, like when, if and when people notice this, we'll just say it was a mistake or whatever. I don't know whether that would consist of electoral fraud or not. The AEC definitely doesn't seem to be that worried about it. Like no, putting like a photo of someone else on your how to vote card. Advertisements are allowed to be misleading now apparently <laughs> it's like you don't have to not lie so long as you say it's authorized properly so like the the yeah it's consistent with general good practice for elections good speaking of which uh <laughs> speaking of which elsewhere in election news um Media Watch did a good segment this week on the Murdoch press basically sh completely shitting themselves over the Teal independence, which is, you know, a good sign that they're feeling yep. threatened. Um, <laughs> if I were the Greens, I'd be feeling a little bit left out, like I'm not even getting negative media from Murdoch these days. It's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's actually kind of been nice to see the dynamic that normally, like, is kind of plays out between Labour and the Greens being played out between the Libs and some Liberal. other people who totally, are totally. trying to steal their seats. No, uh, we own the seat. You're not allowed to try to participate in democracy. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so much of that. And actually, this I was going to play this later in this segment, but let me play a clip from right. this Media Watch story, which, um, yeah, it's basically what you just said, Noon, but um, longer. Hosts and guests on Sky After Dark have also been piling on with Peter Credlin offering a gloomy 13-minute feature on the independent threat, which kicked off with this warning from her old boss, former PM Tony Abbott. They're basically labour in disguise, that's what they are. So be under no illusions, this is a false flag operation. Credlin then railed at the injustice of only Liberal MPs being targeted. Why these Climate 200 guerrilla games matter is not just that Liberal seats could fall, but the Liberal campaign hardheads will waste time and money trying to hang on to electorates that, by right, shouldn't be at risk. What? Note the words, by right. How good's that? How good's that? By right! Boy, that is... Wow. That is some quiet, out loud shit, if I Seriously. have ever heard it. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a good piece by Media Watch. They basically just, like, detail how there's this ongoing, concerted, multi-pronged attack by pretty much every Murdoch outlet to smear 
the teal candidates like at an individual level smear the concept of independence like representatives at a general level and being like this is going to be terrible for australia's national security and we're going to implode as a nation yeah. uh that really pissed off andrew wilkie which um <laughs> was uh was amusing it's always see. fun when he gets annoyed at yeah people being terrible yeah i, I don't approve of him especially in general but like i mean i quite like andrew he's, wilkie he's, he's one of the best people in parliament yeah that's such a low bar it um, is it, but it is low it it feels like Nikki Sava being critical of the lips. <laughs> it's not it's not quite friendly fire, but it has the same Schadenfreude value. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Uh, so. Yeah. Oh, they they do kind of like mathematical rundowns of like you know there've been forty pieces published in the Australian, twenty of them were negative and two were positive about teal independence and etc. But you know this like you know mobilization of the entire infrastructure of News Corp, which has coverage over the entirety of the nation you know, to being directed at basically the Liberal Party's political enemies is obviously an extremely familiar dynamic yes. in this country to the point where it's like, feels lazy to even be talking about it or something. But it has been pretty bad. Um, and normally you see it directed at Labour, and we do see it, you know, with these is like... still going on, of course. Yeah, yeah. The, all of the elbow gotchas, it's very clear that like, every news court journalist had been sent out with the same brief about to like hammer him on the same, you know, minor point of policy from their platform or whatever. Yeah. But I guess it just becomes particularly stark when you see their focus shift. Right. And like, this isn't a huge political like, party that they're targeting. This is like four to five independent women yep. that <laughs> like, but like feeling the full force of Murdoch's wrath, it, which is like kind of eye watering to witness. Yeah. It's sort of like one of those moments where, the machine becomes visible or like when mm. you know the algorithm serves you something that you're like wait you think i'm pregnant or like <laughs> you know you you kind of, but it's like you know that you see the deliberate targeting of political enemies like being swung around and you're like oh that wasn't just a bunch of people kind of independently making decisions was it this exactly. was a plan that has been yeah, Point it's kind a of different way this time. Exactly. Yeah. Made the machine visible, I think, is is a great way of putting it. Um, elsewhere in the Media Watch segment, they um, pick on this particular, I think it was a Herald Sun piece about Frydenberg, and the headline is just, why you need to vote for me? And it's him, like, with his arms around his kids, basically. <laughs> and it's, like, in their news yeah. section, not yeah. opinion or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, while it's sort of eye-watering to witness, it is, it does also kind of smack of desperation, you know? Like, it, this is, as Credlin says, they're like, we are, I am outraged that we have to spend time and effort contesting seats. Yeah. What is going on? <laughs> um, which, like, and you know, Monique Ryan may not get up in Kuyong, but she's definitely wasted a bunch of Liberal Party money, money and, and time. time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Frydenberg is meant to be very popular with the hunters for some reason that i don't understand but whatever is that like yeah now he can't be going and yeah shaking hands in west australia or whatever because exactly be yeah. like personally putting up giant billboards of his face yes <laughs> please please for the love of god let me keep my job okay uh that's probably enough on elections for the minute positivity so, as is often the case of Positivity Corner, it's about awesome unions doing sweet industrial action. Um, so, more nice. than 1,500 bus drivers in Victoria stopped work for 24 hours, and about 100 picketed a, a bus depot belonging to Dyson Transport. Uh. Yeah, so this strike is because the government included a 2.19% wage increase in their contracts with private bus companies. So they were like, we'll give you more money this year for wages. And there's like, I think there were 13 bus companies and all but two of them have passed that on in full immediately. Um, and uh, Dyson has not. That um, is, on the one hand, quite expected. And on the other extremely fucking outrageous brazen yeah uh, <laughs> jesus christ yeah so the transit workers union branch secretary for victorian tasmania mike mcness said obviously they're not very happy about it they want to know where their wage increases what dyson's are doing with that government funded money and they want a payday asap um which yeah okay yeah get the reasonable. money yeah 
Um, I think the other one, I didn't write down what the name of the other company is, but uh, they have been like, yeah, we'll pass on maybe some money or something. So their work is also striked, but didn't uh, like, yeah, sort of a secondary target because they're still in negotiations. But okay, it seems gotcha. like Dyson's is currently being like, our offer is nothing and fuck off. Mm. So, yeah. Um, also, for bus drivers, uh, bus drivers in Sydney took action, turning off their Opal machines uh, for 24 hours, I think. So nice. That's my favorite kind of Absolutely. Tra- public transport strike. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, just fuck with the money. Totally. It's so good. And it's yeah. like, we're happy to do our jobs. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's it makes just... it much harder for like conservative media to be like, they've brought the city to a standstill. Yeah. yeah. Even when usually it's, you know, it's actually the government that has done that, but whatever. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and so this is part of an ongoing industrial action that I think you spoke about a little while ago, Zach, uh, mm. about two tier employment structure. Yes. Where some of the employees are getting paid more than others. Yeah. Uh, and also in New South Wales, public school teachers have strike for 24 hours and they're demanding that the government get rid of a 2.5% cap on wage rises for teachers. Um, and that's be- across the public sector. Well, across yeah. the public sector, yeah, but yeah. I think but- I don't know if they're trying to get it taken out for other sectors, but I think it's it's kind of a both thing because there's been a hu- like n- a number of protests along the same lines, but from other sectors, sectors as well. Like sure. th- that's yep. what the nurses like. Part one of the right, nurses' right, right. demands as well was like take off this fucked pay rise cap. Terrible cap. Yep. Inflation is way above that. It's like twice. There's five point one percent at the moment, as I'm sure all of our listeners know off the top of their heads. <laughs> um, and so that means their wages are guaranteed to fall in real terms, like yep. in terms of the purchasing power that they have. Yeah. So the New South Wales government has said that they won't consider any changes to this cap until after the state budget. Well, until in the state budget in a month or two. And so they're being like. Well, just wait until the budget, because that's when we consider these things. So that you know, just wait until then, and then and you'll then see you what can we strike. do. And then we'll you'll see you that we're doing nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So teachers, as well as this uh, removing of the cap, they're demanding better conditions, a manageable workload, and teaching resources. So from the ABC, Dubbo teacher Braden Holland said the state would need close to fifteen thousand teachers over the next decade to meet demand. My school will be seeing at least 6,000 classes disrupted, if not outright cancelled by the end of this year. The kids in Dubbo are the ones suffering, he said. Our record was 285 students on single minimal supervision. That is two teachers and a teacher supervisor for nearly 300 kids. Wow. That level of staff is unacceptable. Oh, fucking hell. It's really yep. dire. That, that's our whole year at school, right? Like, more. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's this, there were a bunch of good signs of various sorts. Um, uh, there's a good photo here of, uh, two, one said, uh, how can we put students first if, uh, you put teachers last, mm-hmm. which, yep. And, uh, a report card, student name, Dominic Perrette, respect, fail, workload, fail, conditions, <laughs> fail, pay, fail, listening skills, limited. Um, which, yeah, good. good stuff. Um, so solidarity with uh, all of those people demanding, like, safe and respectful and, like, adequately compensated work. Yeah, um, I think that's something that we can all get behind. Amen. Basic minimal conditions for existing in society. Um, yep. I do, yeah, I love that there, that every couple of, every, like, month or two, that there's a new uh, strike from public sector workers in New South Wales, I feel like there is um, a lot of pressure building there. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something big, like around budget well, time. Yeah, I think also, you know, the coronavirus, uh, people didn't take a bunch of action when they wanted to for mm. safety reasons, except for like irresponsible anti-vaxxers and shit. Mm. Um, and like, obviously, I think there were two big BLM rallies that were mm. like very well and carefully managed and there were other actions and so on you know covid safe protests with people in cars and so on but yeah uh obviously it's also majorly negatively impacted a bunch of people and our governments have been really pretty irresponsible in terms of you know talked about them all a million times university sector for example and childcare and all of these things and yeah I, i have a sense of radicalizing within the union movement to an extent um mm. there's more appetite for protest there's more anger um 
there's more people who have realized that the working conditions they had before the pandemic weren't okay and that they could be working from home four days a week or whatever yeah. like um so yeah i don't know i think this is all really good stuff and um that's why it's shooting themselves in the corner. foot by not responding to it yeah yeah big time all right thanks for taking us through that noon now it's time for fashy australia uh this week the australian border force has moved 12 immigration de- oh yeah that's how you know the story is going to be fascist abf is up the top there they've moved right 12 the first couple of words yeah yeah 12 immigration detainees or prisoners to christmas island from the melbourne international transit accommodation center or mitre which what a fucking euphemistic name True. transit accommodation center jesus christ so these 12 people had their visas revoked by the, uh, the immigration minister on character grounds. Here's a quote from a pedestrian article. It's believed Serco was attempting to deport 12 to 15 refugees to these facilities, most of whom protesters said are 501s, people who have lived in Australia for most of their lives and had dual citizenship until their Aussie citizenship was cancelled. According to protesters, the refugees in transit were handcuffed. Um, here's, a, and here's a quote from The Guardian. At least one of those transferred on Tuesday has had their refugee status recognized, but was put back in detention after their visa was revoked, the Asylum Seeker Resource Center said. They're challenging that decision through the courts in Victoria. Their lawyer was not notified of their transfer. And in fact, I don't think anyone was notified of their transfer because one of the transferred detainees said that they were only told on the day at 5 a.m. when guards came into their room that they were being moved. And were woken up and told, pack your shit. Yeah. So more incredibly fucked fascist behavior from Australia's border regime. Uh, a small group of staunch protesters did get down to Mitre and tried to block uh, the vehicles mm-hmm. that the refugees were in from leaving. Uh, and a bunch of footage has come out from that protest of cops going just absolutely fucking buck wild, like shoving, kicking, punching protesters. One particularly shocking video is from after like the bus carrying the refugees has made it through the protest and has left and the protest is dispersing. One cop in particular comes over and starts completely unprovoked pepper spraying protesters yelling fuck off fuck off as he like hits people in the eyes with it then he like runs over to someone and like shoves them into the ground like it's what it's just like watching someone on a fucking rampage yeah yeah. like absolutely unconscionable like (laughs) thuggery from these fucking people um and shouts to lydia thorpe who was there at the protest Mm -hmm. shouting at the cops always good to see a politician um (laughs) doing some acap shit online stuff yeah yeah Police say they plan to make uh, more arrests of the protesters, uh, so that's cool. Um, and this also comes in a week where there was this other story um, about leaked emails from Nauru police showing that the people that Australia has sent to Nauru for offshore processing, you know, quote unquote, more euphemisms, you know, th- those people are still self-harming at extremely high rates. Mm-hmm. And there are these emails that have been leaked from Nauru cops basically mocking them and belittling them Whoa. in their emails and like being like, oh, these guys are deliberately getting into car crashes so they can get off the island and shit like that. So just a reminder that cops are shit everywhere. Immigration detention is evil. And both major parties plan to enthusiastically continue this policy if elected. Ooh. Yeah. It's yeah, actually Australia is not a feel good. No story no no um sadly neither is our next story which is a first Nations story um uh, mild content warnings it's a shitty story about cops and i'll be using the name of a dead first nations person but that's not sort of really what it's about um because this week the northern territory police minister nicole manison uh announced half a billion dollars for northern territory police um and very clearly anticipating the anger that would obviously be caused by that she said this That means more Aboriginal community police officers, more Aboriginal liaison officers, more police stations, and better equipment for our police to do their amazing job across the Northern Territory every day. Mm. And can I just give a hearty fuck you to Nicole Madison? Um, So I think there was this half a billion for NT police, and 10 million of that is for Indigenous related uh, community liaison, and so on and so forth. Um, And in response to this, uh, the. Walpuri Nation 
released a statement um and i haven't actually been able to find the original one uh but i've seen it quoted in a bunch of different articles okay. um so i've got a few pieces of it Walpuri elder ned jumper jimpa hargraves said the territory government had quote no shame this funding increases a direct threat to our lives in the community, he said. More funding yep. for police means more police violence against our people. Karanjala Murawajari, this must stop. The only safe way forward for our people is our local First Nations authority to be empowered and for funding to go to our community-controlled services. Mm. Um, and this statement cited a 2021 report by the Australian Institute of Criminology showing that there'd been a 78% increase in fatal police shootings Australia-wide between... Oh. 2018 and 2020 fucking hell um and uh this statement also included demands for fundamental changes to how police and courts work will not tolerate any further ex-military postings or external police units from elsewhere in the northern territory or australia it reads only first nations police liaison at officers elders and our community should have the decision-making powers over policing this includes being able to evict police who do not cooperate with local community or respect our decision-making authority, which seems like such a good idea for a reform, just like have a process by which the local community can be like, nope, not that guy. Yeah. Um, Anyone who's been mentor mentored by Ben Robert Smith, for example, just don't do just it. Yeah. No. As they say, yeah. ex-military posting or external police units, like yeah. obviously this is about woman Jaya Walker yeah. and... Zachary Rolf having been posted there from this, he was an ex-military guy who was a specialist team that got sent out. Yep. So that's like very directly at that. But yeah, like I think like being able to evict shitty police is a really good reform that like isn't as radical as abolition mm. um, and is like probably a reasonably good partway step because like Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so other demands include for customary law to be considered in all court processes and the application of colonial law, as well as an independent investigation into Rolf's trial. Hmm. Um, quote, we saw a jury with no Aboriginal person on it. There was no consideration of our cultural needs or our customary law. The trial should have taken place in Mapantwe, Alice Springs, not 1,500 kilometers away. Hmm. We were unheard and disrespected. And the group has demanded a retrial to allow Rolf to face our customary law at UN Demu. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's basically a shit story, even though this statement, I think, is, like, staunch and radical and has a bunch mm. of, like, really valuable stuff in it. But, like, I can only assume they're going to be ignored and um, continued to be killed and harassed by police. So, mm. fuck that. Something incredibly frustrating as well about these, like, you know... <laughs> literally millions of dollars just getting thrown at right. cops in these communities that could like think about what that money could do for mm -hmm. you know for local communities right if they were implemented well, like, imagine if they who... were spending it on paying teachers adequately like maybe mm. that might reduce crime or like <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know yeah yeah well there's lots of like fantastic ideas in there and you know it's an extraordinarily mm -hmm. uphill battle but like got to keep agitating for that stuff and yep. um it is good to see these demands from uh these communities actually getting some airtime totally and putting these ideas out there you know yeah, like yeah. you know i mean we always talk about like trying to follow the lead of first nations people mm -hmm. when we're talking about their issues cuz it's not our lane and mm. so i think it's really valuable for us as allies or whatever to like hear these demands and like be like okay well that's something that we can work towards yeah um, absolutely yeah uh thanks for taking us through that noon um this next segment is also going to be a bit of a rough one um uh, i'm going to put uh, i'll give a content warning here for um, domestic violence um, and the murder of a woman by her husband specifically. We'll put time codes in the show notes if you want to skip this. And we do have a couple of lighter stories at the end of the show as well. Um, but yeah, we need to talk about Chen Cheng. She was a 35-year-old woman who was killed by her husband last week uh, in Melbourne. They had a young son together. Uh, not a huge amount has been publicized about her. Um, 
she worked in the building industry. She was described by a close friend as bright, humble, and hardworking. Um, and she's the 19th woman this year who has been killed by a current or former partner in Australia, which is just absolutely shocking. Um, and I, I want to talk a bit about the media coverage around this. Uh, and I also want to try and draw some connections to, you know, what we're seeing, I guess, in the election at the moment around mm -hmm. uh, policy when it comes to domestic violence and, and you know, gendered issues. Um, but I guess a bit of a caveat up the top here that, like, I find these stories really difficult to talk about. Stories about men's violence against women, right? You know, um, we obviously want to do a good job because a lot of the media often doesn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we want to use whatever small platform we have to, like, draw attention to the broader issues. But there is also this tension, I think, between, on the one hand, not wanting to look at this murder as an isolated incident, right? But also not wanting to, like, depersonalize Chen mm -hmm. Cheng or reduce her to a statistic or just use her story as as like a vehicle for discussing politics. Right. Um, I think also we've had feedback from listeners being like, it's kind of sh shitty having men talk about issues that primarily affect women. Right. Um, and, you know, we uh, you, we can only talk from our own perspective and it is an issue that we feel like we need to talk about when it comes up, which, as you said, is like horrifyingly often. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's worth acknowledging those issues with it when we touch on these things. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I guess to, to just also make the point that we try to be accountable and open to feedback on this stuff as well when yep. it comes to the way we chat about this stuff. So, yeah, you know, our DMs are always open. But let's start talking a little bit about the media coverage of this um, of this murder and specifically I want to start with how sort of sensationalist it was mm -hmm. as an example here um, and this is pretty awful but the Herald Sun went with this on their front page headline Dr. Death a banner at the top corner of the of, of the image they used screams in suburbia Oof. the next day their front page was an update on the story neighbor reveals slain mum's last words help he wants to kill me um, and on the website it sits in this true crime category, which I think tells you a lot about the way that this newspaper yeah. conceptualizes stuff like this, right? You know, this is entertainment. That's yeah. what it is yeah. to them. You know, the daily mail, as you can imagine is much worse. And it's like almost, again, it's like they're guaranteed to have the worst possible perspective on anything. Uh -huh. So it almost feels a bit easy picking them out, but I found this quite shocking. This headline from them exclusive, Neighbors reveal mother's final minutes alive and how they tried to save her as she was allegedly murdered by her uni lecturer husband before dying in a pool of blood in their backyard. And that article had all these photos of baby toys being carried out of the scene. Jeez. Which is, so, you know, obviously it's, it's disgusting on a moral level to use someone's death for entertainment like this, right? You know, this is about selling papers. You splash mm -hmm, big, mm -hmm. shocking details across the paper. Um, but, I, you know, there is a purpose to this over-sensational style, right? Which, you know, it reinforces the idea that this is something that's, like, shocking and out of nowhere on the one sure. hand. But it also really frames it, I think, as a personal problem. Like, it puts you, in, you know, in the position of, like, the neighbor who heard the screams. You know, the quotes in the article are not from people talking about this from a systemic perspective, but they're right, from people right. who lived on Chen Cheng Street. very, very in, 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 intimate details of it or, like, yeah, the exactly. impact of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's yeah. a total lack of any kind of contextual framing about domestic violence or misogyny more broadly. It's just about, yep. isn't this fucked? Don't you want to know more? It's, it's rubbernecking journalism. Then the other side of the media coverage, which is something that's been talked about a lot and we've covered on the, talked about on the show before, is that how bad a job the media does by and large at covering covering this issue you know and so we're seeing we see the same shitty reporting that is used every time a woman is murdered by her partner um here's a tweet from sally rugg uh uh about that herald sun front page that i mentioned mm -hmm. um that i think sums it up how is it 2022 an alleged domestic violence murder is still reported like this compare a woman his wife mother of his young boy to deacon university lecturer adam brown dr brown the academic the last person you'd suspect, the mm -hmm. last person you'd tip. 
or this from the Daily Mail, a shocked resident said she knew the man in custody to be nice and normal and described the family as quiet. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of textbook what not to do, right? Um, it's and it's not new, you know, the erasing of, of uh, Chen Cheng's identity, the mm -hmm. nice guy narrative mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. the husband. You know, one of the really frustrating things about this is that there are really well established guidelines, right, right. like best practice guidelines for how to report yep. on this stuff. Um, they're published by Our Watch, which is an org that works to end violence against women and their children. So it, it's really, it's not hard. There's literally, there's like a free PDF guidebook. It's like 10 pages on their website. Yep. Journalists, the work has been done for you. Yep. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, moving on from the media, uh, you know, half of the conversation to the slightly more political perspective on this, I guess. It's... You know, this entire election campaign, I think, has been characterized by being totally disconnected from reality, mm -hmm. right? You know, like every time Albanese or Morrison open their mouths, they seem to be talking about something that I'm like, who cares? Like, literally, who cares? Yep. You know, why are you being asked these questions? Mm -hmm. uh, even within that context, it's pretty stark to, you know, see headlines about a woman murdered by her husband in the midst of like an election campaign where there's basically next to nothing being discussed in regards to yeah. systemic violence against women. Uh, and within the broader context of there being a massive spike in domestic mm. violence during the mm -hmm. pandemic. Worse than that, though, it's like basically the only major media mentions of like women in this election campaign have been when the government decides that they want to attack trans women in sport like, right that's you know, so true that's horrifying like that's yeah that's literally like that's the you know the quote-unquote women's issue that the government wants to talk about just yep. you know these these people it's not just a disconnection from reality it's like you know uh a, a complete sort of redirection of any potential productive conversation into the most poisonous harmful useless conversations that they can mm -hmm. have crikey did publish um a piece earlier this week from uh journalist amber schultz who um kind of did a bit of a breakdown comparing the major parties policy platforms um to a report from the national women's safety alliance so this is an organization that sits under the department of prime minister and cabinet mm -hmm. it was established uh last year you know around the time that the government was doing their women's safety summit right and right. you know like at that point in time you know like sexual harassment and and women's safety were really top line political yep. issues yep. um unfortunately it's just not so not been mentioned at the moment since yeah. the election was called yeah yeah important to remember that that uh, at this time as well um, you know, about a year ago that this, uh, the, the National Women's Safety Summit was happening, the government was voting against several recommendations from the Human Rights Commissioner's Respect at Work report, uh, including extending domestic violence leave. So, like... And we're, like, covering up... Yep. Alan Tudgeon, Christian Porter, and all yep. these other things. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, this women, National Women's Safety Alliance, do, you know, does sit kind of under government remit and so grain of salt, you know appropriate i think but there are a number of uh, people and organizations in it who i do think uh like you know have well established records in this space sure so national women's safety alliance put out a report called in one generation and it outlines basically like a suggested policy platform to end gender-based violence um which is you know big task but like aim high yeah um, for, for sure and, yeah uh, so what what I might do is run through a couple of the policies that they suggest, and cool. note their um, that where the major parties stand on them. Mm -hmm. And I'm pulling quite a lot here from Amber Schultz's article, which um, I'll link to in the show notes uh, mm -hmm. if you want to check out the source. So one suggested policy from uh, the In One Generation report is to impose legal obligation on employers to prevent sexual harassment. This is from the Respect at Work report. And one of the things that the Libs obviously opposed, they voted against that. Labour, on the other hand, have said that they, if elected, they, they will implement all of the recommendations of mm -hmm. the Respect at Work report. One of the other uh, suggested policies from uh, in the In One Generation uh, report is doubling the 
escaping violence payment and increasing domestic and family violence leave, I think from five to 10 days a year, I think. Um, again, the liberals are obviously opposed to this because that's just a handout to them. Uh, Labor does support this policy and they've also said that they'll fund 500 community workers, uh, 500 new community workers in the mm -hmm. sector. Although they did also just abandon a potential policy to pay superannuation on parental leave. So, you know. <laughs> we all know how much a Labour policy announcement is worth. Yes. And it's somewhat less than the... Paper it's written on? Yeah. Well, the email that it, <laughs> yes. email blast that it was. Yes. Um, one, uh, one pretty tangible suggestion from the In One Generation report is providing 17,000 social housing units mm -hmm. for women escaping domestic and family violence. Uh, and some good news on that from the Liberals, they're putting $2 billion into affordable housing. So that'll go straight to the National Housing Finance and Investment Corporation. So... If you want to escape an abusive partnership, it'll be much easier to get a home loan for a new house. Labor, um, <laughs> Labor do have uh, a housing policy which has some stuff in it, including uh, 4,000 new social housing properties for women and children escaping family violence and for older women at risk of homelessness. Just say public house, just build public housing. Just do it. Just do it. They say social, which incorporates public and community housing. Right. And right. when they say that, like, whenever anybody says social, what they ultimately mean is community. Because if you mean public, you say public. Right, right. And community they... is less secure, more expensive, and privately run, not run by the government. Yep. It's worse. Build public housing. <laughs> um, Just, yeah. This is a total side note, but this like hey i think we need seventeen thousand like public housing units labor we can do four thousand of not that like that's been exactly my experience with the ndis thus far mm. it's been like look got all this evidence from medical professionals says we need this much and they're like tell you what can have less than half of that mm. um and it's just like the whole government runs on the same fucking logic regardless of who's in power that's like all they do is like, what is the minimum amount that can make it look like we've tried to care about this? Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely smacks of that. Sorry to shoehorn my own shit in here. It just felt like exactly the same. Full, full bastard and partial bastard parties. Yeah. At it again. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's worth noting that, you know, th this in one generation report, I think it has some really good practical ideas in there, but there's, yep. I, I didn't see anything in there, for example, about, you know, doing something about the fact that cops are an enormous part of the problem sure. when it comes to, you know, uh, women trying to escape domestic violence. Both in perpetrating and protecting. Exactly. Yeah. They don't believe people who come to them with uh, yeah. allegations of um, domestic violence. Like, yeah, you know. So there's obviously a number of, like, big fundamental things that aren't really touched on in this report as well. But yeah. of those things that I mentioned... Uh, legal obligation on employees to prevent sexual harassment, doubling of the escape violence payment and increasing domestic and family violence leave, social housing units for women escaping domestic family violence. You can imagine the Greens have better policy mm -hmm. positions on pretty much all of this. Sure. Um, some of their uh, policies include uh, $1 billion for frontline services, half a billion dollars for consent education, $10,000 survivor grants, and mm -hmm. also... Um, one of their big headline platforms, one million, then one million homes policy, which, uh, yeah, I mean, that would all be really nice mm -hmm. um, if it yeah. happened. Um, I will say about their, their one million homes policy, they also say public and community without specifying the makeup. Sure. You know, what the balance is going to be. I'm sure there's a bright eyed, bushy tailed Greens member listening who can fill me in on the details and that, but like, Please just say public housing and build public housing. That's all I want to say. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's a brief look, a brief and pretty depressing look at like what's on the table in terms mm -hmm. of the major parties' response to like a fairly mainstream uh, report suggesting some like very basic, easily implementable things to be done around increasing women's safety. Yep. But yeah, I guess. Um, you know, to kind of wrap it up here, you know, as our watch says, men's violence against women is a national emergency and we mm. need to treat it like the emergency it is. And that is 
definitely not reflected in anything to do with this election campaign or i would say the broader operation of either of the major parties mm -hmm. it's important to you know chen cheng's death didn't happen in a vacuum you know it happened obviously in the context of a misogynist society you know and, but how do we you know who perpetuates that and you know which structures do you know men's killing their partners is downplayed by the media they can be mm -hmm. you know like there's a guidebook for how to do better on that. They can be, they can and should be pressured to do better on that. You know, we've got a, we've got a government that actively opposes, you know, getting more help to women who are trying to escape violent relationships. You know, and again, dismantling patriarchy is obviously an enormous job that will happen over lifetimes. But there are tangible things that can be done right now mm -hmm. to make women and children safer. And there are people, you know, mostly women, let's be honest, doing the work to outline what those things are, you know, uh, and the people who have the power to put those things in place, you know, like we need to hound them until they do it. Yeah. I don't have anything to add, but yeah, agreed. All right. Thanks, Zach. Um, and listeners, that's the end of the um heavy stuff for this week and indeed now we are going to pivot emotionally to shit post of the week so many many shout outs to long-term listener and ozpol shitposting member paul roberts uh who has started a worst person in ozpol tournament uh to keep the uh the group entertained throughout the election so listener if you don't know ozpol shitposting facebook group go hit join answer the questions we won't let you in see all the memes uh, it's good um yeah so this is the post uh that paul started with i was catching up on the snackpot episodes i haven't had time to listen to and was listening to the convo with tilda about philip ruddock making the top 10 worst people in australian politics and thought there was something to that so submit your nominations for worst person and then i'll make a bracket and we'll see who wins uh, and so, yeah, Paul ended up with 64 entries, which, quick maths, that's like 40 to 50 rounds of voting, Wow, I think. that's a lot of voting. That's a lot of voting. Much uh, more voting than the federal election. Do you watch University Challenge, Zach? No. They got like, yeah, 50 episodes a season. They've got this very intricate se brackets. Anyway. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. The Doesn't Nerd matter. Show has extra irrelevant. nerdy brackets? Wow. It's also funny because it's the most like minimal game show there's no gimmicks whatsoever it's just like answer, answer the question. question just answer the fucking questions <laughs> yeah uh yeah so we've had quite a few already you know getting through them quick because there's a lot uh and so far wayne glue has destroyed david feeney <laughs> uh barnaby joyce beat rod carlton 40 to 2 uh george christensen just edged out malcolm roberts peter fair. dutton won unanimously against gladys barajuslamon also fair also fair and somewhat amazingly, but also not, Christian Porter was knocked out in his first round. I think he could have gone further, but he was matched up against notorious corrupt war criminal Joe Bjelke-Peterson, so... Who is an all-time Hall of Famer when it comes right. to being a bastard in Australia. Has politics. to be yeah. the right call, I think, even though yeah, I would have liked Porter to get through a little bit yes, further before... Yes. Yeah. Uh, Blair Cottrell and John Howard both made it through their first matchups. And, you know, my money is actually on John Howard for all-time winner. Mm. Um, I feel like there's so many people who hate him for so many different reasons, and he's just got his finger in all of the yeah. most evil pies. Well, he was around um, for so long. Yes, both you know, before. And had such, like, you know, he's, it was a much, like, he was such an effective political operator on he behalf was. of evil, you know. He's yeah. not like somebody like scott morrison who's like just barely holding his party together with like sticky tape and prayers. totally totally yeah, yeah. like how it was um, just in okay cracked his knuckles and was like okay let's make everything worse for everyone yeah same with bill peterson i guess whereas mm. like blair blair cottrell i mean he's probably like the most actively immoral or like up there in terms of like actively worshipping Hitler. Like, I don't... How it's a bad person. I don't think he thinks Hitler was a really cool guy. Um, but, like, he's just not been that effective. No, uh, Blair and Cottrell Blair Cottrell's already the... has been 
Right. And it's like... Howard yeah. continues to intervene in the worst possible ways. Yeah, like, and the effects yeah. of his awful, like, political decisions live on yeah. today. Yeah. So there you go. I'm tipping him for all time, uh, you know, winner of the full tournament. Okay. But I've been on the losing side of several votes already, so not necessarily the best <laughs> predictor. And just also, you know, s- quick side shout outs to friend confidant and member of my inner sanctum, Steph, for doing some of the graphic design work for this tournament. Uh, I might also do a few more, um, just like, aha for dut dut kind of ones, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, if you want to vote, go join the Ozpol shitposting Facebook group. Make sure to answer those questions. Thank you for taking us through that noon. Now it's time for my favorite segment. You fucked up. Uh, Tell me all about it, Zach. I feel like you've been looking forward to this I've one. I've been champing at the bit for this one. So this is a pre- story about the president of the REIV, the Real Estate Institute of Victoria. Okay. President of the REIV has been arrested and resigned from the presidency. Uh, cool. If you don't know about REIV, Real Estate Institute of Victoria, they they are the peak body for real estate agents. You know, they've got equivalents in other states. For example, the REIQ, which is, of course, Real Estate Institute of Tasmania. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So they're pro-landlord. They're pro-investment property owner. They're anti-renter. They often, you know, they pop up in the news, these, um, these real estate groups being quoted saying shit like it's so good to see house prices get even more unaffordable um yeah we should abolish all taxes on property these minimum protections for renters herald the decline of western civilization etc you know they're bastards you don't have to feel bad for anything bad happening to them so anyway the now ex-president is a cheeky little man named adam docking who has been accused of stealing rival real estate agents a-frames the little plastic signs that they Some put it on the street outside open houses. Big brain shit. Yes. Yeah. Um, the little open house signs. So yeah, he's been going around stealing those. Cops executed a fucking search warrant on his house and found the missing signs. Wow. Which I love that he kept them. I don't know. It's like little trophies or something. Like, <laughs> Surely it's laziness i like <laughs> or not knowing where and like, how to dispose put him in his of car and was like uh, i guess i'll chuck these out later <laughs> it's got like you know i wouldn't personally do this but i would assume that adam docking would have no moral issue with like backing his car up to the river and just no of course not in. he's a landlord That's but uh <laughs> yeah. well yeah exactly but you know he kept him uh so anyway that's amazing. Uh, and he's resigned and he's now been replaced by a guy who is a fifth generation real estate agent, which. Oh, purebred. Yeah. Yeah. Do the, do the quick maths on that listener. Um, I thought that that was the whole story. Uh, but mm. there has been a new twist Ooh. in the tale. So other real estate agents, let's call them the virgin real estate agents have come out to say that docking was <laughs> entrapped now they say that there's this other rival real estate firm let's call them the chad real estate agents who have been putting up fake open house signs around town (laughs) to kind of make it look like they had more houses for sale than they really did you know okay (laughs) you know (laughs) sure real estate agent brain just normal business maneuvers yes not a ponzi scheme or anything (laughs) So a bunch of the Virgin real estate agents complained to the REIV about this. Right, right. And so they say Docking took it upon himself to go to around town. To collect some of these fake signs. Scoop up the uh, the ghost listing signs. A lot of ghosts this week yeah. in Ozpol. Those ones are ghosts because <laughs> some people saw them, some people didn't. <laughs> And now there are some people being like, no, you got to believe me. They were put there by these guys. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, exactly. So these Virgin real estate agents, like the best part of the story by far, is that the Virgin okay. real estate agents say that the Chad real estate agents planted a fucking tracking device on one oh, of these shit. open house signs and employed a private investigator to go and find whoever took the signs uh-huh. and then when adam docking got the a-frames home these chad real estate agents went to the police with the information now this is hearsay from the virgin real estate agents as far as uh-huh. i can tell but if true 
<laughs> is very funny. <laughs> Some next level shit. <laughs> it's a... This fucking kills me. I just who would like you know the the these these people be like real estate is just so crucial to the operating of society and this is what oh, they absolutely. get up to during business yeah, yeah. hours. They're they're planting fucking decoy entrapment a frames with tracking devices and then sitting at home like refreshing the tracking app. Like oh my god, I know he's gonna take it. Incredible. So yeah, anyway, to conclude, I wish the Real Estate Institute of Victoria and all other real estate institutes very implode under the weight of their own greed. Nice. That's a nice audio meme there, Zach. I like that. Yep. Is that enough news? Yeah, that's that's plenty. If you want a podcast, you gotta do a lot of shit. That's not technically podcasting. You still gotta do that shit. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. These are all platforms on which you can follow Ozpol Snackpod at Ozpol Snackpod. Uh, the other thing you can do if you want to support us is you could leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, uh, or you could give us a five stars over on Spotify as well. That's really helpful. Uh, if you really like what we do, you can head over to patreon.com slash Snackpod, sign up for as little as $1 a month, Get a monthly bonus episode, plus other stuff at higher tiers. And you get to hang out in our Discord. Discord, uh, yeah. We chat, we post pictures of our animals. And and, uh, yeah. and other stuff. It's a other really stuff. nice little community in there. Highly recommend. Uh, and we'd really appreciate your support, keeping the show yes. running. It'd be dope. Uh, that's probably, oh yeah, you know, twitch.tv slash games. Except my internet's fucked, so it sort of hasn't been happening. But may- hopefully again soon. You never know. Keep an eye. What? Out. Yeah, Watch the skies. The skies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish the show. Oh. Now it's time for a pop game. Uh, have I told the listeners about the possums? Do you remember? Um, I don't know. I get so that... much possum content. I feel like it's bleed bled into every other aspect of yeah. my life. It's great. There's some possums <laughs> living like somewhere around here. They hang out. They walk over the shed. Bagel wakes up in the middle of the night hilariously. He like you know will be under my doona and then stand up in like full alert mode, but still under the doona, which is very annoying at three in the morning, but also hilarious. Um, and then instead of getting annoyed about it, I've started just taking it as like a hey noon. Uh, why don't you go look at that cute possum real quick? And so I you know go put I on my dressing gown, get up, go look at the possum. I'm like hey little friend. Hey, little guy. It's really cute. It ran all the way above my head the other night, uh, just like along the oh, wire. Very sweet. Like, You've got some really good underbelly. Well. Yeah, they're just gorgeous. They're not uh, brush tail. They're the other short sort that they've got like little mm. round ears, mm. kind of mousy. Anyway, yeah, um, uh, it's adorable, and uh, Bagel hates them. Um, but also, what the pup date I was going to say was um, very annoyingly. Now, when I take him out for a wee at night, he always takes it as an opportunity to try and jump up our lemon tree in the hopes of seeing a possum. Mm. So I've had to start again taking him out to wee on the leash, which both of us hate because now he wees on my foot more often and he is like, what the fuck, bro? I used to be able to (laughs) shit in peace and now you've got a fucking leash on my neck. It's like, yeah, "Yeah, you did this to yourself, buddy. Well, I can't explain it, but it's (laughs) you're entirely your own fault. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i feel like you know that is one thing i would say to dante if he could understand english for five seconds yeah i can't explain most of you, your problems it's all, it's, it's just do what i say and it'll be fine i promise <laughs> <laughs> dante's been pretty good this week actually we had a couple of quite nice, nice walks um i was walking him down a nearby street the other day and I walked past this guy who was standing next to a van looking kind of angry. And then I walked a few paces behind. He was like, hey. And I was like, huh? What's going on? Am I, get, am I about to get cussed out? Some people get yeah. like upset when they see people with a the dog. They're just like, hey, make sure you pick up that poo. Even if oh, the dog hasn't pooed or like, time. you know, this like make sure you keep that guy on a leash. He's like, he's on a leash. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Tell it to someone who doesn't have the... Dog on a leash, bro. Yeah, yeah. very uh, responsible yeah. dog owner over here. Maybe I need a t-shirt or something. Um, Shut the fuck up. I'm already on top of it. 
But no, the, I'm he... talking about the dog situation, by the way. It's a little wordy, but I think it's... Yeah. Well, we can workshop it. Uh, I turned around. I was like, huh? He was like, you reckon you could get your dog to eat my parking ticket? And I was like, oh, ha He was like, well, they already eat homework, don't they? I was like, yeah, it could be like a, a little appetizer. He was like, ha, 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 He walked off and I was like, okay. That was a slightly more positive right. interaction than I was expecting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dying to handle it quite well. Nice. Mark up. Yep. And uh, and we have the rest of our walk. So there you go. Sometimes people just want to yell bad jokes at you on the street, not just to harass you for some imagined bad dog ownership thing you've done. Yeah. Yep. All right. Thanks for tuning in, listener. I reckon that's going to do us for this week. Catch you next week for more news, more views, more memes, and more slurp juice. Keep on snacking in the free world. Fuck John Howard, Crunch Crunch.